Please turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians uh, chapter 3. We left off in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 1. I want to take a moment uh, to honor Micah Flick and his sacrifice for our uh, community. I uh, was uh, killed Monday afternoon just a few uh, miles from uh, RMC as a, as a police officer. Um, and I don't know if you had the opportunity to watch his memorial service uh, yesterday. Uh, it's definitely worth your time uh, to, to go uh, listen to that and watch that uh, online. Uh, Micah was a strong believer, loved, loved the Lord. I uh, grew up at New Life Church, uh, went to CSCS. Uh, CS. Uh, his beautiful family, wife, and two twins that are uh, seven years old. And he served our community out of his love for Christ. He served us out of his, his love for Christ and, and laid down his life to, to keep uh, us safe. And I, I think it's a, important for us to, to grieve appropriately uh, as, a, as a community and as a body uh, of, of Christ. Uh, so much violence is happening. Sometimes we can uh, just tr- turn it off, and that's not the appropriate response. You know, a 34-year-old uh, lost, lost his life uh, uh, in service of our uh, community. And then also, uh, especially as believers, we always want to make sure that we have the attitude of respect uh, towards authority. And that, that's something culturally that's being eroded, isn't it? And so for us to be able to say, you know what, we are behind our police, we're behind our firefighters, we're, we're behind our first responders and the military uh, in our community that makes so many uh, sacrifices. And so I want to just uh, take a moment uh, to, to pray for the Flick family, that God would uh, comfort them uh, and minister to them, and that God would encourage uh, the police officers of, of our city. So let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for Micah. We thank you for his love for you. We thank you for the way that he lived his life, being so committed to you, God. Um, we just pray for uh, his, his family, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would comfort them, especially as they get up this morning after the memorial service yesterday, uh, that you'd be with his wife and his young kids and his parents and, and siblings. Lord, we pray for all of our, our police officers, especially here in the springs, that you would comfort their hearts and their spouses, and give them courage, or that they wouldn't be overcome with evil, but they could overcome evil with good. We pray for the attitude in our city towards police, God, that it could be one of, of respect, it could be one of, of honor, that you would, would move throughout our city. Also, as we open up your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, and we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. The word mystery is used three times in this paragraph, in these 13 uh, verses. When we think of the word mystery, we think of something that needs to be solved, a puzzle. And many times it can be unsolved. But that's not the way that this Greek word is used. It's used in this context where something is hidden and now is being revealed. You know, sometimes uh, when they're releasing a new car, there'll be advertisements and you'll see like a, a black sheet over a car and they'll say, you know, coming December 2018 and then, and then they'll have the unveiling of, of the car. And that's the idea of the mystery is, is it has been hidden but now has been revealed. Uh, Paul is gonna spend time developing this theme of, of the mystery of God's grace. 
And very specifically, it's Christ coming in human flesh. It's Jesus dying for our sins and rising again. And in this explanation of the mystery of God's grace, we also find some real nuggets to apply to our lives. Paul gets personal. He gets autobiographical. He starts to express how God's grace has impacted his life as well. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Paul says, for this reason, he has a cause. He has something that gets him out of bed in the morning, even though he's in prison, even though he's going through such a difficulty. What's your cause? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that really moves you? And we're going to find that that what moves Paul is God's grace. It's for this reason, to declare God's grace, to declare God's goodness, I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Most likely Paul's imprisoned in Rome as he is writing this letter to the Ephesian church. I think that this is a very impactful phrase when you meditate upon it. Paul is not just declaring that he's in prison. He's declaring something much more significant that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He doesn't consider himself to be a prisoner of of Rome, a prisoner of Nero, a prisoner to his circumstance, he sees himself as chained to Christ. And for us this morning to realize I'm captive, not to my circumstances, but to Christ. You may be in a difficult experience. You may be in a prison-like experience. But to be able to say, God has ordained this. God has allowed this. God is the one who is in control. Hasn't the Apostle Paul seen the Lord deliver him in some supernatural ways? Had some pretty incredible jailbreaks. Saw God do some amazing things. Therefore, he knows if he's in prison, it's because God wants him to be there. If God wants him out of prison, he's going to be out of prison. But instead, he is in prison and he sees God's purpose in prison. Our Bibles would be a lot thinner if it wasn't for Paul's imprisonment. He wrote several of these letters while he was imprisoned. We benefit from his prison experience. Oftentimes, when I'm going through difficulty in my life, it's hard for me to see that difficulty as the will of God. I just want out of prison. Maybe there's even some frustration. I want the circumstance to change. Do you have some things in your life this morning, if you're being honest, you're like, I'm kind of tired of this. I want this to change. I I don't want to deal with this challenge or difficulty. And wise is the brother, wise is the sister, wise is the child of God that says, this is where God has me, and God is doing a work through this prison difficulty. What opportunities are there? And Paul says that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He knows that God's going to use this imprisonment in the life of Gentiles, the the, the non-Jewish believers that had come to know Christ as their Savior. Verse 2, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me uh, for you. Paul says you've heard of the dispensation of grace. The word dispensation means administration, stewardship, a manager of a household. The idea of stewardship is if someone was going out of town for a couple of years, and they were a business owner and a homeowner, 
And they said, I want you to take care of my business, run my business, and run my household. Do, do everything that's needed uh, at the household. You would be a steward. I would be a steward. It wouldn't belong to us. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying God's grace has been given to me as a dispensation, as, as a steward to where I'm entrusted to extend God's grace to others. The grace of God was given to me for you. Paul had quite, quite the testimony. We'll refer more to that in just a moment, but God had been so gracious to Paul to save him out of his sinful life, such a hard heart against God, and Paul realized that God had given him this grace for a purpose for him to extend that grace to to others, to share that message with others. Please hear this. God's grace is never to be just a container for us to fill our lives with. God is gracious to us. He saves us. He forgives us. This morning, he's giving us grace, but he's desiring for, to pour grace into our lives so then grace can flow through our lives. Not, not, a, not a container, but something where God's grace is going to be dispensed to others. When we're aware of our sin and God's grace and salvation and his forgiveness, we tend to have the perspective or the lens to say, if God can save me, he can save you. If God can change my life through his grace, he can change your life uh, through, through his grace. And grace continues to be fresh and active in our lives as we extend it to others, as we share it with others, as we're able to give unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor to others. And so Paul realized this. He says, God's entrusted me with grace. I get to share the message of grace. I get to live the message of grace. I get to pass it on uh, to others. In verse 3, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I briefly written already. Paul says that God had revealed this mystery of grace to him. In chapter 1 verse 9, Paul mentioned mystery as well. Also, there's several other places in scripture that talk about this mystery. Jesus said in Mark 4 verse 11, to you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, saying it's been given to you disciples to know the mystery of God. I want to be really clear on this this morning so we don't get lost in this mystery talk. What exactly is the mystery? 1 Timothy 3.16 says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. What's the mystery of grace? that Jesus came in the flesh. God came in human flesh, died for our sins, and and rose again. And Paul says this was personally revealed to him. This is Paul's testimony. He's Saul, persecuting Christians, hating Christians, not believing that Jesus is the Messiah. As a Jew, thinking, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that's blasphemy. God called him by name, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And revealed grace to Paul and saved him by grace. In verse four, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul says, you heard of this revelation of grace? Wasn't just for me, but that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of grace. And thankfully, thankfully, The mystery of Christ is not just for the Apostle Paul. 
It's not just for Paul to, to understand. It's not difficult to, to understand. God has unveiled it in, in a powerful way, and it's for, for all. It's for the Gentiles. It's for the Jew. It's, it's for anybody who'll take the time to listen and know the grace of Christ and the goodness of Christ. Paul's sharing this, that they could come into full understanding as well. In verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. We live in a great time spiritually. Verse 5 tells us this mystery of Christ was not made known to the sons of men living in the past, but it now has been revealed to the apostles and to the prophets and to us and to the church of Ephesus. Do you ever read the Old Testament and go, man, it would be great to be there and experience God moving in such a a powerful way? God parting the Red Sea and the children of Israel going across on dry land. I've often wondered as they're crossing the the, the Red Sea if they could see some of the marine life through through the water. And were some of the little boys just captivated, like, is this shark going to come through and, 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 and eat me? Go, man, I would love to, to, to be there. To be at the Valley of Elah and see Goliath be defeated by David and have his head lopped off. The guys are like, yes. The gals are like, I'll just read that in my Bible, right? The walls of Jericho fall down walking around the walls every day and the seventh day going around seven times and crying out can can you imagine what they thought okay we're we're supposed to cry out we'll see what happens and then the walls uh, fall down but we're living in a, a much better time spiritually because of God's grace because of the sacrifice of Christ we're not under the law the old testament believers never had an internal relationship with God. Part of the mystery of Christ is that Christ now lives in us. Christ in you is the the hope of glory. And went from external commandments to an internal relationship with God where we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. No doubt if we didn't desire some of those things in the Old Testament, we go, man, it would have been great to walk with Jesus to see him do the miracles and calm the storm on the Sea of Galilee, to listen to his teaching. But yet Jesus said, it's better for me to go away so that the Holy Spirit can come, that the helper can come, because the Holy Spirit lives, lives inside of us. And that's what Paul's referring to here in verse 5. He's saying, look, this is something that other generations didn't know. It was, it was hidden from them. Christ hadn't come, but, but now it's been revealed by the Spirit to the apostles and prophets that have, have shared it with us. And verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. The mystery of grace brings us close to God and also close to one another. To where now Jews and Gentiles are the same body. We talked about this in in great detail uh, last week. We're together as the body of Christ. We're we're together as partakers of his promise. All through the gospel, we're fellow heirs. This is exciting when we think about God's promises. It's, It's humbling that we get to live in the promises of God. But it's not just me. It's us together, isn't it? And isn't it so fun to 
share with another believer the promises of God. You know, and be reminded of the, the promises of God. God forgives our sins. He's working all things uh, together f- for good. The, the Jew-Gentile barrier has been broken down and God's formed a, a new identity. This is part of the mystery of God's grace and this came into our lives through the gospel. The gospel is the death and resurrection of Christ for our sins. And verse seven, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace given to me by the effective working of his power. Paul's sharing part of this cause, this reason, and he's saying because of the gospel, because of this mystery of grace and God's love for me and others, I became a minister according to the the gift of grace. Now for us, the word minister is pretty lofty. You know, it's kind of up there with reverend, right? We think, oh, I'm I'm not a minister, I don't think I'd want to be called a minister, right? You know? But what does the word minister mean? It means servant. That's what it means. He says, I'm a servant. I've chosen to serve Christ to be willing to take out the message of the gospel, to take out the message of of grace. Is this just for Paul? Is it it, it only Paul that gets to to be a minister of, of God's grace? This is available to all of us. If we choose and say, this is going to be my reason, I, this is going to be my cause, this is what's going to get me out of bed in the morning, is I want to love Christ and make him known. I want to look for those opportunities to be able to encourage believers, share with unbelievers, to be a servant. Paul gives us a couple of things here in verse 7 that is the key to being used by God. It's the key to effective ministry or having a life of, of impact. So the first nugget that we saw is we're not a prisoner to our circumstances, we're captive to Christ. And then the second nugget that really stands out in this passage is that God, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. A lot of times we go, you know, well, God can't use me because I'm not equipped. Do you ever feel like, you know, Lord, you've got the wrong person? I can't be used, used by you. I don't have the ability to do this. I don't have the life experience to do this. And in fact, I've got too many shortcomings. But as you look throughout scripture, God doesn't call the equipped. He's not looking for people that have arrived, that have got it all together. In fact, he tells us that he uses the weak and the foolish things to confound the wise. And Paul says here, I've been called by God's grace. It's a a gift of God's grace. And that's what's allowed me to enter into God's calling. God will always ask us by faith to do things that are beyond us. Amen? So that he receives the glory. We think of Moses in the Old Testament getting called by God. He had failed. He killed an Egyptian. He's living in the wilderness as a shepherd thinking, my life's done. I'm going to finish my life in, in obscurity. The great I am reveals himself to Moses and says, you need to go and speak to Pharaoh. I've got a message for Pharaoh. Let, let my people go. Moses says, Lord, I can't. I'm not good at speaking. I'm not a good orator. I stutter. And the Lord says, it's not about you. It's about me being the great I am. Moses says, you need, you need to have Aaron, my brother, come with me. He's good at, at speaking. And the Lord allows it, but Aaron is nothing but a leadership headache to Moses. 
and to the people of God. As they're delivered and in the wilderness, Moses goes up to seek the Lord and receive the commands of God. People get uneasy. They go to Aaron and say, we need a golden calf. And Aaron's like, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that, you know. Moses comes down and, and Aaron's leading the people of God in the new pagan church, right? Moses would have been better off trusting the Lord. God is willing to make up for our inadequacies and our, our weaknesses. We think of Joseph before Moses, and Joseph was a slave, a Hebrew slave in Egypt, accused of rape, imprisoned, not who you would think would rise to be the second in command of Egypt. God uses the weak and, and the foolish. Think of David, as we, we mentioned, this young shepherd boy. He was forgotten to come to the meeting where Samuel the prophet gets Jesse, says, bring your sons, one of your sons is gonna be the next king of Israel. In the mind of Jesse the father and all of the other brothers, David is not a possibility at all to where they don't even call the youngest brother to the meeting. That's when you know you're kind of left out, right? And Samuel doesn't feel God's leading with any of these other brothers. And finally Samuel asks the question, do you have another son? Hmm, what's his name again? Like, oh yeah, David, he's, he, he's out with the sheep. Go, go, go get David. And that's who God chose because God doesn't call the equipped, he, he equips the called. And so the two things that we see in verse seven is as God calls you, he will give you grace to do it. God's commandments are also God's enablements. The same grace that saved you is also gonna use you. And trust in the grace of God. Trust in the goodness of God. I'm stepping out into this because of God's grace. This is a gift of God's grace. He doesn't have to forgive me, but he doesn't have to use me, but he desires to. And then we also see the effective working of his power. God wants to give power to be able to do God's work through his, his power. It's not an expression of, of our own efforts, but the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. It's not by power, by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I personally don't think we're gonna experience the power of God until we step out into the calling of God. God's not gonna give his power for us to just sit at home and, and toot our horn and go, woo, God's power feels good. The Holy Spirit feels good. God gives the Holy Spirit so that we can do the things that he's called us to do. Has God called you to things in your marriage that are beyond you? Absolutely. Has he called us to things as parents that we can't obtain? For sure. Is he wanting us to reach out with his grace in a way that we could never comprehend? Yes. And so we trust and we say, okay, Lord, it's an expression of your grace and also you're gonna provide the power to be able to do it. I'm so comforted by what Paul shares in verse seven. What, what, if, what if Paul said, you know what? God uses me because of my prayer life. Uh, God uses me because I read the Bible five hours a day. God uses me because I never lose my temper. You're like, wow, praise the Lord for Paul. God's never gonna use me, right? But Paul says, the Lord uses me because of his grace and because of his power that he pours into my life. In verse eight, to me who am less than the least of all of the saints, this grace was given to me. This is genuine from Paul. 
This is how Paul really saw himself. This isn't some kind of false humility or living in condemnation. But he says, I'm the least of the saints. My life is an expression of God's grace, of of God's goodness. As we follow Paul's journey with the Lord, he gets saved. One of his first letters was to the Corinthian church. And there he writes and he says that he's the least of the apostles. He feels of these groups of apostles that he's the least. We go further into his life. He writes the letter to the Ephesians. And here he says, I'm the least of the saints. The last letter he wrote was to Timothy before he passed away. And he said, I'm the chief of sinners. The longer that Paul walked with the Lord, the more he became aware of his sin and God's grace. Isn't that interesting? And we don't get this indication that Paul is being rebellious to the Lord. He's walking with the Lord. He's growing in Christian character. But yet, the more that he gets close to the light, the more he realizes sin that was unnoticed in his own life. And he's saying, I- I'm, I'm the least. The closer we get to Christ, the more we'll be aware of our own sinfulness. Not for condemnation, but for humility and, and thanksgiving. Maybe when you first receive Christ as your Savior, you're like, well, I'm getting some traction here. God's doing some things in my life. And then you walk with the Lord for maybe 10 years and you're like, man, I don't feel like I'm getting very much traction. Maybe you walk with the Lord by God's grace for 30 years and you're like, I feel like I'm going backwards, right? And it could be that you're getting closer to the Lord and the Lord's allowing us to see more of his grace and more of our sinfulness. Continuing in verse eight, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says, this grace has been given to me for the purpose of preaching among the Gentiles. Preach means to announce, to announce good news. And he is committed to announcing good news to to the Gentiles. God made it very clear in Paul's conversion that he would take the the gospel to Gentiles. Something that wasn't being done at at the time. And the Lord saved Paul and used him to, to reach this group. And he was able to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. What was Paul's message? His message was Jesus. What was his strategy, if you would? He was sharing the unsearchable riches of Christ. The idea of the unsearchable riches of Christ is you never come to the end of them. There's always more to discover of the riches that are in Christ. If we spent time with Paul, he was sharing the beauty of Christ. He wasn't getting sidetracked with with other issues. He was challenging and encouraging believers in Christ. He was talking with unbelievers about the unsearchable riches of Christ. As we get the opportunity to listen to people and talk with people, Look for that opportunity to share about the goodness of Christ, the the, the love of of Christ. First and foremost, they don't need our views on politics. They don't know Christ is their Savior, you know? They they don't need to necessarily understand morality. That will come if they come to know Christ as their Savior. They need to understand Jesus, amen? They need to understand that Jesus is real, that he loves them, that he died for them, and we get to express the, the unsearchable riches of Christ. What leads people to Christ? Is it God's judgment? It's God's kindness. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Do we talk about God's judgment? Absolutely. Because without knowing God's judgment, we're not aware of his kindness. If you don't know what the bill is, 
You don't, you don't understand what the gift is if someone has paid off that bill. So yes, we, we talk about judgment, but we emphasize Jesus has paid the price, his, his unsearchable riches. In verse nine, and to make all see what's the fellowship of the mystery, which was from the beginning of the ages and has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ. So making known Christ for the purpose of fellowship, the fellowship of the mystery, The gift of Christ brings us into relationship with the Father. That's the intent of of the gift of Christ. God doesn't just forgive us of our sins and say, you stay over there. He says, I've saved you so that you can be in relationship with me. This fellowship was from the beginning of the ages and it was hidden in God. God in and of himself has fellowship because he's a trinity. One God, three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now this is far out. We've been brought into that fellowship. We get to have fellowship with the Father. We get to have fellowship with the Son, the the Holy Spirit. So Paul's ministry, if you would, is being effectively used by the Lord, was telling people about Jesus and pointing them into the fellowship with Christ. Also, verse 9 points out that Jesus is the creator, that all things are created through Jesus Christ. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers in heavenly places. The church, us, the body of Christ, we get to express the manifold wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is that God sent his son to die for us. We get to declare that. Who do we get to declare it to is interesting in verse 10, to principalities and powers in heavenly places. The angels are watching the church. The angels are watching us. We get to proclaim the wisdom of God to angels. In 1 Timothy, or excuse me, 1 Peter 1 verse 12, it tells us that the angels are looking into the gospel. They're they're curious about the gospel. I'll read it to you. It says, to them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us, that they were ministering the things that have now been reported to you Though those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, these which the angels desire to look into. That's got to be fascinating from the angel's perspective, Jesus coming in human flesh, watching the creator humble himself and be born and placed in, in a manger. Christ in human flesh crucified upon the cross and also the angels see us all the time our sin, our shortcomings, and they're like, really? Father, you're giving your son for that motley crew at Rocky Mountain Calvary? Man, this is your wisdom. This is your grace. This is your goodness. This is the mystery of of your grace. And verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It was God's purpose to send his son. This is his eternal purpose, and it's been accomplished in Christ. Notice what we have in Christ in verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Do you ever have difficulty feeling comfortable accessing the Father or wondering if he really listens or he really cares or maybe you did fall short and like he, he doesn't want to hear from me today? But we're able to come to the Father with boldness and confidence through faith in Christ because we're in Christ. That's our position in Christ. We're robed in Christ's righteousness. In verse 13, therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. 
the church of Ephesus must have been heartbroken about Paul's imprisonment. It's difficult to see somebody you love go through pain and, and go through suffering. And Paul is writing this section to say, look, it's okay that I'm in prison. It's more than okay. God is in this. And I don't want you to lose heart because I'm in prison, because it's for your glory. You're, you're going to benefit from my suffering. Suffering provides possibly the greatest lens to be able to see Christ. In our own suffering, as, as we go through suffering, we see Christ in a greater way. But also, as we see other believers go through suffering, we, we see Christ. We see the reality of Christ and the, and the power of Christ. Maybe you can think of a, a close friend, a family member, someone you've even watched from a distance go through crushing blows and Christ be revealed through that, that difficulty. I'm currently uh, reading a book on Jim Kelly. He was quarterback for the Buffalo Bills in the late 80s and into the, the mid-90s. And the book is written from his daughter's uh, perspective. He was in four consecutive Super Bowls and lost every one. That's hard. That, that's difficult. Had a son named Hunter that only lived to be eight years old and buried his, his son. Went on in his years to have several battles with, with cancer. And as his daughter is writing about her dad's life, uh, she sees Christ through the suffering that her father goes through. He comes to know Christ through his son's death. After his son passed away, after his football career, he came to know Christ as a savior. I'm experiencing Christ just reading this book through the suffering that they went through as, as a family. So here's the lesson I think verse 13 gives us about suffering. Pain becomes our platform to proclaim Jesus. Pain becomes our platform to proclaim Jesus. Paul knew this. So he was able to think through, pray through, meditate upon, okay, I'm in prison. Don't think for a moment that prison was easy or that Paul liked prison or somehow he just went through the prison experience like a Marvel superhero. It hurt. It was difficult. It was cold. There was sickness. These were difficult days. But Paul's perspective on his suffering, his perspective on his trials saying, I am a prisoner of Christ and I know that God is using this that my prison is going to be this megaphone, this lens where other people see the reality of Christ. And church, sometimes I, I wish there was an easier way. When our lives are impacted by God's grace and we say, I want the world to know. I want the world to know. God, I want my life to be used by you. I want it to be more than just paying bills. I want it to be more than survival. I would love to be used by you to, to tell people of the mystery of God's grace. Sometimes God's going to answer that prayer by saying, okay, you're going to suffer. You're going to go through difficulty. You're going to go through pain. Because as you go through pain, that's what I'm going to use to give you the opportunity to share Christ with others. What makes us really stop and listen to Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to receive Jesus? It's his suffering. It's him upon the cross. 
And that causes us to appreciate his words, to, to listen to what he says. And suffering still to this day gets people's attention, doesn't it? It's what gives us opportunity to be able to share Christ. Gang, you're going to have to wrestle with suffering. We're going to have to sort our way through suffering. Some big, some small. Go back to Ephesians chapter 3 and say, okay, do I really see my circumstance as I'm, I'm a prisoner of Christ? Not, not a prisoner of this boss, not a pr- prisoner of cancer, not a prisoner of Parkinson's, not a, not a prisoner of this broken relationship. I, I'm a prisoner of Christ. And God's going to use this in my life and in other people's lives as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the mystery of grace in our lives. It's, it's so wonderful how you have pursued us as lost sinners and you continue to show us your favor and your goodness. Jesus, you live in us. We're so thankful. And we do want to be used by you. We know that that's what really matters. So would you give us opportunities, things that you're calling us to that we know we're not equipped for, we know we don't have the experience for, and we also know our shortcomings and everything inside of us wants to run away from what you've called us to do. May we have the faith to trust your grace, to trust your power, to step out into calling. I I pray for those this morning that, that need to step out into calling, that you would make that clear. And Lord, for those that are going through pain, they, they never expected to be in this crushing experience. Would you encourage them? Would you comfort them so that they can comfort others? We love you in Jesus' name.